0: Hi there! Welcome to a brand new episode of Who Am I with Aditi. This podcast is brought to you by Geo Cordo Studios. On each new episode of Who Am I, I take you on a journey through a story. Stories enable us to see through the eyes of other people, they are memory aids instruction manuals, and moral compasses. It said that the world is not made of atoms. It's made of stories. Oh, I could go on and on forever, but then we'd miss today's fascinating story. Today's story unravels on the backdrop of the Second World War. A black blood-bathed, Horrific period in human history. On the 13th of September 1944, a young Indian princess was executed by the Nazis for being one heck of a spy. Her name was Noor Inayat Khan. And this is her story. Noor crouched silently half-conscious in the farthest corner of the unnaturally cold, hostile, grey cell. She wondered as she sat there in the Dasho concentration camp in Nazi Germany, what could be the utmost extent of human cruelty. She herself was now a guinea pig to the Gestapo. Do you know that Dasho is one of the most ghostly places in human history a place where more than 42,000 people died of hunger or exhaustion or beating or sickness or in gas chambers it was an unusually haunting place for a princess to be in or a nurse or an author or a musician the multiple beautiful things that Noor had been a haunting place rather for any living being soul to be in. The cell had not even a crack, let alone a window for the smallest ray of sunlight to seep in. In fact, Noor could not even really see the shackles should been chained with for the past. Oh, who could keep track of time? It certainly seemed like forever. Her body felt frail as a dandelion seed caught in a ferocious, roaring storm. Since she could not see, she let her mind light up ever so often. She kept it awake and bursting with life, with memories and imaginations. Or were they just hallucinations Did her mind to driving her crazy Never mind she thought The end is so close so frighteningly near I wonder what they might have chosen for me Should, should I be shot or hanged or burnt alive Or or put in the the gas chamber? No. No. I will not utilize the dwindling remains of my energy in terrorizing myself. For the last time, she believed. This is just a dream. And I am a princess locked up in a tower with all my misery. And a prince, or a warrior, or a knight clad in shining armor is coming for me. The horse he rides on is galloping across these trains of darkness this very moment, his mind resolute with the tenacity of thunder and his spear not unequalling that of the wind. And he is nearing. He hears my every breath For he has the deepest connections a divine telepathy with me He shall liberate me soon and I shall feel the warmth of human embrace once again Unfortunately, the truth was more than in contrast of her imagination no prince not a hundred. No one could save her now. To be honest, she did not wish to be saved or preserved, but to be liberated. That was the reason she'd chosen to walk down this path. Five years ago, the Nazis had invaded Paris and Amongst the tens of thousands of families that fled to England, Noor's had been one too. She would never forget that morning. That morning which felt like worlds falling apart. Sitting in the hallway, she played a tune on the piano. The most reassuring, soft melody she could think of. To mask her inner turmoil of fear and to block out the distant booming of what the radio described as air It had lost its signal a while ago. Her fingers glided over the smooth old ivory but they could not dance like they used to. She hummed with the melody and her mother and siblings lay wide awake in bed. The radio found its signal again. The news came. The French government has fled Paris and has shifted to Tours. Thousands of Parisians are now following their example, filling the roads out of the city with automobiles, tourist buses, trucks, wagons, carts and on foot. It's time. It's time, whispered Nora. Will Ayad? Get up and find uncle. We must leave right away. Claire, dear, let's get the suitcases outside. Where are we going? For now, I think we're just going away. Is mother up? Amma, she called to her mother. Amma, open up, come on, please. I'm not leaving my house, Noor. Yes, you are. We all are immediately. No. This is all I have. In memory of your father. If I must, I will die here. Are you ridiculous? What about us? What about us? Your father left for India alone. I told him not to. I, I pleaded. I begged him to stay. But he went. And he died on the way. And it's been years, mother. It's past and over. We are the present. We are your children. Since the day he died, all you've ever done is mourn. And we left you there eventually because you seemed so satisfied in your grief that you did not feel the need to even look at us. You're shouting. Yes, I am. It's an emergency. Remember this. Your life is not yours alone. We need you. Come on, please. Oh, Babuli! They left Fuzzle Manzil and boarded the train to English soils tens of thousands newly labelled as refugees indefinitely, leaving behind all that they'd grown to love. And in the whirring of the wheels, the creaking of the tracks, and the nervousness of people, the chilling breeze whispered, When will you come back? We need you. On reaching England, they settled in a small countryside inn. And Claire, youngest of the siblings, joined the children's hospital aid. Noor visited the hospital sometimes. It was overpopulated with patients, orphaned and injured Children lost and mentally damaged with the horrendous visuals of violences and bad news pouring in from the radio. Could we could we possibly turn off the radio for a while? I have a collection of children's stories I'd compiled. Maybe, maybe it might help to read it to them. And so she read to them, striding between their beds holding their hands, comforting them. She'd spent time in college learning child psychology. She'd even written some fiction for children. (coughs) I'd say it was worth studying and writing tales if I could get even the trace of a smile on some of these drooping faces. And eventually there was some amount of success the slightest curl of the lips, a tiny sparkle of the eyes, sometimes a wondrous gaze, and ever so rarely the smallest hint of a giggle. One day as she read, the princess weaved her tears into a pearl necklace. It shone with, Stop it! screamed Lena, tugging at Noor's We don't need to listen to your nonsense. There was a silence. Do you you really care about us? Lena glared fiercely. She was Polish. She'd been hurt on the head in an air raid and had had to get her hair shaved off. Don't you know what they're doing to us? Don't you know about the concentration camps? About how brutally they're killing people? I do. My father used to tell us stories when me was little. And I loved them. And I believed them. And when the Gestapo took him away, I kept wishing for fantasies, for miracles, the way they happened in his stories. I wished, and I wished, that they wouldn't be bombing my country. But they are, and your silly stories won't fix that. Turn on the radio. I want to know. She burst out crying. All across Europe, families had been torn down. Grief and loss ruled over people's minds. Even children volunteered to participate in the war in every small way that they could. Later that evening, Noor whispered to her brother, I must do something. But I don't want to kill anyone. Well. If we are going to join the war, we have to involve ourselves in the most dangerous positions which would mean no killing. It hadn't been a hard decision. It came naturally. Although they did believe in non-violence, Noor volunteered for the Women's Auxiliary Air Force. Her brother Vilayad joined the Royal Air Force. Which was England's resistance force against Nazi Germany. In the WAAF, Noor was trained as a radio operator, becoming amongst the first batch of women to train in the field. But while she was tapping away at her Morse code, she was being watched by the SOE, Special Operations Executive which was a crack organization which aided the resistance movements in occupied countries they called her for an interview well we've been going through your training records and we've got a job you're well suited for whatever you ask me to do well if you take it up you will be sent to France as a wireless operator. The job of an operator is to maintain a link between the circuit in the field and London. Send and receive coded messages about planned sabotage operations or about where arms are needed for resistance fighters. Understand, without such communication, it will be impossible to free France from Nazi occupation. But before you decide on anything, let me warn you you will not have protection, you will not have a uniform once you're caught, not if you're caught, once you're caught. You will be served a death sentence. We cannot force you. It is entirely your decision to take. If you want to take up the task or not, I will do it. Spy school was classic. It taught her to handle guns, explosives, to break locks, to find sources, dead letter boxes, to practice sending letters in code and gave her a new name, Madeline. Her seniors were critical of her. She has an unstable and temperamental personality, and it is very doubtful whether she is really suited to work in the field. I recommend against it. She's childlike, delicate, overly honest, pretty scared of weapons, but tries to get over it. But in times of emergency, one prefers to see the positives. Well, she's had a fair amount of training. She's fast and accurate. Her commitment is unquestioned. Very feminine in character. Eager to please, gentle, capable of strong attachments, kind-hearted, emotional, Imaginative. The only question is, must we put her in such grave danger? Soon enough, her training period was over. She was to fly in early. A senior, Vera Atkins, was to see her before she left. Atkins wanted to confirm that Noor believed in herself. Confidence was the most important thing for any agent. Are you happy in what you're doing? Yes, of course. You know that if you have any doubts, it's not too late to turn back. If you don't feel you're the type, if for any reason whatever you don't want to go you only have to tell me now I can arrange everything so that you have no embarrassment you will be transferred to another branch of service with no arrows mark on your file no I listen we have every respect for the man or woman who admits frankly to not feeling up to it for us There is only one crime. To go out there and let your comrades down. No, no. I want to go. I am ready to go. Something is the matter though. The thing is, it it was the most painful thing. I ever had to do. What was? Saying goodbye to my mother. I told her I was going to Africa as a nurse. Is there anything I could do for you? Yes. In case, in case I should go missing do not inform my family if and only if it is beyond any doubt that i am dead only then you shall break the news to them it will be done armed with only a false passport some french francs a pistol and her transmitter noor was flown in to paris on full moon night inside She felt ecstatic. I am doing something. I am going back. The creaking of the door disturbed her chain of memory. She shuddered. It was not an officer. It was just food. A piece of cold bread Her breath relaxed. Countlessly, the officers had interrogated her. The agents should die, certainly, but not before torture, indignity and interrogation has drained from them the last evidence that should lead us to the others. Then, and only then, should they be granted the blessed release of death. These were their orders what had they not done beating kicking pulling her hair out her fingernails toenails one of them held her by the neck firmly forcing her face into a bucket of water watched her struggle with inhumane savage glee they tried to break her body her soul her mind How hard should it be for a pack of wolves to scare the brains out of a delicate sheep? But no, she would not, she would not give in. (laughs) I know nothing. I have no information of any use to you, I promise. And inside, her voice erupted conjuring up the landscapes of France, the sun unclouded, magnificently radiant. I will not give in. You will not win over me, not because you are my enemies, but because you have clearly misunderstood your position in this world. Your actions are harming innocent souls and I need to protect them. I am part of their hope." The prisoners in the neighboring cells heard her cry, scream, groan of pain. Since she could not see her wounds, since she could not see the damage on or inside her severely aching body. She tried to feel her wounds, touched her flesh, smelled her own blood, sometimes even tasted it. It was the most delicious thing she tasted in prison. And then, then she'd scrambled back into her 29-year-old book of memories. It directed her back to a workday in Paris. Oh, the thrills of her job. Through the mirror, a changed woman peered back at her. She had the same long nose, the same slight waistline, the same delicate eyebrows, the same bright eyes. But now, they were of a different shade. A faint blue hue as opposed to her original brown. The same curly hair but dyed blonde. Lips painted in a slightly reddish pink. Clad in a box-plated skirt and finely ironed blouse, she looked like the nurse she was pretending to be. Suitcase is ready and it's it's 9.30. Lucy will be expecting me in 45. Come on. The police were always hot on her heels, but she always managed to defy them. They knew about her. They'd even heard her transmissions, but they could not catch her. She took her transmitter everywhere as she changed places to inns, to friends' houses, attics, in order to transmit. Disguised in a suitcase, the transmitter weighed no less than 20 pounds. Today, she was to shift her award again to Lucy's house. From there, she would be able to send London some secret information about the Nazi troops' movements and supplies as it was located nearby a military base. Her friend exclaimed as she approached. Shh! Call me Madeline, she said, embracing her. I'm sorry. It's been years since we last met. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I know. I'm glad to see you. I've kept the spare room ready for you. It's just by the balcony. You could transmit from them. It's got curtains. You want to be very careful though. Especially when you're out getting your data. There's heavy posting all around. I've been living under their noses all the time. They haven't managed to stiff me out yet. why why what we should move they started walking down the road why are you doing this doing what why didn't you stay in England why didn't you go back to India you could have gone you could have gone and lived in royalty you could have found love and started a family you could write books and be a fantastic author. You could have carried on your father's legacy and played music. You could be safe. I could. I didn't want to. Not when my home is burning. This is not even your home. You are Indian. You were born in Russia. Your mother came from America. You could have gone where you wanted. I cannot believe this. I can still remember our afternoons at the university. You reading your tales. The most beautiful, enchanting writings. Full of empathy and light. What makes you leave that magical world door? Let's make this world magical Lucy and as for home boundaries hardly make sense to me anymore it was later that evening noo received a message top operatives captured go into hiding immediately the last link left between Paris and London We're arranging for you to travel back to London I'll be careful Let me stay, it's too much responsibility Madeleine, you'll have to do the work of six operators on your own to be of any use, I'll do it, I'll stay. And she did stay, helping London to pinpoint locations for ammunition drops, supply money and arms to the resistances and organize safe passages for injured airmen until she was caught by betrayal by a double agent and taken to headquarters as a highly dangerous prisoner. She wondered if she should laugh or cry about this title. And she resolved that she would not remember any further Into her 29 year old life and poison herself with revenge. Instead, she wanted to cry out to whatever powers there are that exist thank you, thank you for attaching meaning to my little story of life. And in these last moments, there would be no anguish, no regrets but the sweet remembrance of those enriching days of life she had spent with her family. She purposefully saved these memories for last. The scenes did not flash across her mind, rather they bloomed like sunflowers. Once again, she felt like a child, lying on her stomach in the grass, the wind in her hair. The house Fazal Manzil, their family's dear heaven of her home, towered behind her. Babuli came her father in Ayat's voice as he gestured for her to follow him inside. Her siblings still sound asleep. Unlike anywhere else in Fazal Manzil, there would be no crack of dawn but a mystical transition into greater conscience. Inayat set himself on the carpet of the floor of the chamber where the children slept. Lifting up his right knee, he rested the body of his sitar in the arc of his left foot and positioned it elegantly across his chest. He closed his eyes, tuned his instrument and then began to play. His fingers gently strung the perfect string at the perfect place at the perfect time. To Noor, it felt divine. Now she could almost see the lavender walls, smell the aroma of incense. The pain in her body seemed to vanish as the melody took possession of her every The sound of the sitar brought her mother into the room. Sitting by the feet of her children, she gazed into the eyes of her husband. The music engaging and intertwining their souls, those serene moments transcended life and death. They were entrancing. The children snug in their bed opened up their eyelids reveal vital sparkling eyes it was an altogether different world warm and safe enveloped in the fluidity of music it was this world that noor chose to gift to all the creatures that were and would exist here ends our story Well, who am I? What did I take from this story? I am who I simply am. But I will undergo all the transformations and transitions that I must in search of liberty. And the beauty of existence of art and science and life will forever and ever inspire me. Thanks for listening to me today. My sources for this story were Shravani Basu's book The Spy Princess, www.bbc.com, Wikipedia, and warexperience.org. And I must especially sincerely thank my friend Mukund Konde Muk and Geocordio Studios. For the music and editing of this episode. I hope you take the essence and depth of this story forward into your day.